Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. G'day guys, Lyle Swithenbank here with another instalment of the Pelican Scoop, a hoop-ball.com presentation. Three times this week, guys, I'm spoiling you. We're uh, we're back again. That's what's going to happen when we're uh, when we're in and amongst it. We've got a fair bit going on with the Pelicans this week and, and coming forward. We're going to be we're going to be flying. We got a preseason game against Miami Heat on Tuesday, Perth time. So I think it's Monday night. Uh, over in New Orleans, so lock in for that. That's going to be great. We're joined by a very special guest again today. I've managed to tee up a guy he's been on before, but uh, this one's just as good, if not better, this episode. So I'm really excited to chat with uh, with our good friend, uh, Jake Madison of the Locked on Pelicans. Uh, so we'll bring him on soon. Firstly, of course, make sure you go like, Subscribe to the show. Uh, if you want to give it a rate and review, that'd be fantastic. I'm at Lyle Swithenbank on Twitter. At HoopBallPels is the show, as per the norm. Uh, make sure you head over there and check us out. We've got a fair bit going on on Twitter. Um, and also, Hoop-Ball.com. We've got everything up on there. Lots of Pelican stuff. Lots of NBA stuff. Your fantasy drafts should be uh, underway if you play a bit of NBA fantasy. The DFS guys will be firing up soon, so... Make sure you go and check all of the other shows out as well. Of course, we couldn't do any of this without uh, Manscaped.com and ExpressVPN and also MyBookie.ag. So make sure you go and check all those uh, people over there, those websites. That'd be fantastic. They'll look after you. Tell them Hootball sent you. Tell them Lyle sent you. That'd be even better. They'll probably question you as to why Lyle's sending you, but... Um, Enough of that. Anyway, my carry-on. Uh, of course, you can go and check out hoop-ball.com for all your fantasy stuff. Um, the fantasy pass, wager pass, hoop ball 360 if you want a bit of everything, go and jump on that. It's a bit of a little little subscription, but uh, yeah, worth it if you want to win your fantasy draft or win a few uh, dollars 
having a bit of a flutter in the NBA or all other sports. I think they do soccer, they're doing NFL, whatever sports on. The guys over at uh, Today in Sports Betting and the, uh, and the Wager Pass will be looking after you. Now, enough of my rambling. I'm going to bring on Jake Madison from the Locked On Pills. Jake, how are you going? I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited that we're getting some like real basketball soon. I'm on the edge of my seat, honestly. Um, the last few episodes of, of uh, the Pelican Scoop have been preempting these uh, these preseason games, and we're we're on the march. We're nearly there. We're a couple of days now again before we take on the Heat. Yeah, I know. Uh, what Monday, I think. And I don't know. It's just going to be weird to watch basketball like in an arena without a bubble, I guess. But I'm curious to kind of see how this goes. And look, it's it's basketball. That's the awesome thing at the end of the day with it. I. Oh, I still just don't know how to comprehend it. I mean, I'm there. I'm looking at my league pass. It's it's slowly, slowly ticking over, and uh, you can see the games are firing up. I mean, it'll be Saturday my time uh, for the first few preseason games, and I'm just chomping at the bit. It's going to be interesting to see uh, the empty arenas or the reduced capacity arenas, I suppose, and um, a bit like the bubble, but probably less glitz and glam than they may have tried to pump in in Disney World to to build that illusion. But um, what's your interpretation of how this is going to play out? Do you think it is going to just start? I think I just saw an announcement regarding uh, the Smoothie King Centre going to have about 800 fans to begin the season. Um, Do you think that's going to be league-wide? Less less fans, probably fairly empty or...? I think it's going to be fairly empty everywhere to start. I actually think New Orleans is going to be one of the few teams that have fans in the arena to start the year Uh, with some restrictions in California. You know, I can't imagine that they're going to really even have fans at all throughout the year. I think the goal here with New Orleans is to kind of do what they did with the Saints, where they started with a small group of fans and it got a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger till things kind of got worse. And now they got to scale it back. But you know, I think they'll try and build up to something like a couple of thousand fans at some point in the Smoothie King Center. It might take them a while to get there, but going to a game is going to be very, very different, and it'll probably be one of the few places where you can see your team live and in person. Well, for the guys in New Orleans, I'm stoked for you. Enjoy that. It'll be great. I mean, um, over here in, in Perth, our restrictions are pretty uh, pretty low. We're in stage, oh, we're about to tick over to stage five, I think, so we've Going to see our Perth Wildcats on, on Tuesday night live and uh, at half capacity, but uh, looking forward to seeing a bit of live basketball myself. It's, um, to the Pelicans, we've revamped the roster again. I mean, we talked about the uh, last offseason, I think last time we spoke, and how we came in with nine or so new players. There was a new front office, and Anthony Davis had been shipped off, and we've sort of done it again. We've, uh, we've, we've cleared house and, and brought in a whole heap of guys. What's your thoughts on the, uh, the off season so far? Uh, I mean, it was definitely busy and building a lot towards the future, I think is probably the best kind of way to put it. Uh, you know, you, you send out the longest tenured player on the team in Drew Holiday, bringing back some other guys and then more draft picks with clearly an eye towards, you know, three, four, five, six, seven years in some cases from right now, while also trying to upgrade the team and make them as competitive as possible with additions like Steven Adams, even Eric Bledsoe, who's likely going to be a starter on opening night. So I don't know, you see them trying to balance both the immediate future and the long-term future, which is, I think, the smart move to do 
in a small market. You know, you kind of play by different rules in New Orleans and Milwaukee than you do in Los Angeles, than you do in Boston, than you do in Miami. And trying to kind of thread that needle of be competitive now and try and win a bunch of games and get into the playoffs, but also being a sustainable winner because you don't attract big name free agents. So you've got to rely on those draft picks. They take on extra importance here. The Pelicans have done, you know, to their credit, a really good job of managing kind of both of those different sides of things. Well, complete shift, you know, like you said, um, put in some good veteran guys, Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, put these big bodies around um, guys like B.I., Alonzo, and of course, Zion. I think that's a, a key in terms of protecting these young guys and making sure that they can sort of develop while these other guys take a brunt of the defensive load. And, and I think last year we... Oh, we still had Drew, and I mean, it's a bit like-for-like, like, isn't it, uh, in terms of uh, Eric Bledsoe, probably a little bit shorter in terms of his um, length and, and body size. He's probably a bit more stockier than Drew is. But um, I can see the move, um, and, and all uh, props to Drew, I suppose, getting shipped out to Milwaukee, and hopefully he goes and gets that ring. Um, I mean, he's, he's been a faithful servant to the club for, uh, for a long time, and, uh, yeah, we're stoked for him over here at, uh, at the Pelican Scoopers. I know most... Uh, most uh, New Orleans fans are as well. Um, in terms of this season coming, I guess, we, we've, we've shifted everything. We've got uh, Stan Van Gundy in, defensive-minded coach. What's your prediction, I guess, going, going forward? It's going to be teething problems, surely, to start off the season. Yeah, you know, they're, they're introducing a lot of things. And you even heard Stan Van Gundy say it for the game coming up against the Miami Heat. They're not going to have everything in the playbook. They're not going to have everything in their bag. They'll be ready to play because they're focusing on kind of just basic principles right now, but they're not going to be able to – they're not at their full potential. They've still got to kind of grow together. People need to kind of understand and learn their roles a little bit more. You need to know the different – you know, one of the big things when coaches come in is it's often a different communication style. You speak – a bit of a different language. Some of the terms might be the same, but you've got to learn all of that before you can kind of install a lot of those principles. And so that's, that's one of those things that slows you down a little bit as everyone kind of gets on the same page. I think you'll see that to start, but there's talent here. I mean, you mentioned it. It's a bit of like for like in Drew Holiday and Eric Bledsoe. If Bledsoe is 80% of what Drew Holiday was, which I think is a reasonable thing to expect, like it's a pretty good player to be perfectly honest with you. And a guy that can really help. Then you add in Steven Adams to kind of fill in a lot of the holes that the teams uh, dealt with last year. You know, part of that was due to Derek Favors not being healthy, maybe not being the best fit, but Steven Adams is a very, very strong rebounder. He's going to create a lot of space for the guys on the perimeter by being one of the better screen setters in the league. He boxes out incredibly well, which allows other guys to rebound too. And when you're still trying to play in the fast break, you know, getting those defensive rebounds, if, if Adams can box out a play, and it allows Lonzo Ball to get the board. And then all of a sudden, the ball is in your guard's hands. and You can run a little bit better than Steven Adams getting it and needing to make an outlet pass. That can make you a good team. So despite a lot of the changes and also long-term thinking, I think they did very well in the short term. I don't know if this is a team that is like solidly in the playoffs, but you only need to get to 10 in the NBA this season with the play-in tournament they're probably good enough to get in as, you know, either be the nine or 10th spot. And then you've got to win two games to get in and that's it. And if you're peaking at the right time and it see, you know, it stands to reason that if, you know, health is kind of removed from the equation, this Pelicans team is going to be better later in the season than the start of the year, probably more so than other squads. 
you know, if you get in at nine or 10, you might be better than the team that's eight, the team that's better uh, than the team that's better at seven, something like that. So I definitely see this team getting into the playoffs. I don't really see them doing any damage with that. It's going to be a slog to get there. Their, their schedule is pretty rough this year, at least the first half that we've seen. Everyone in the Western Conference is really competitive right now, um, and most have improved, so it's going to make it a little bit harder that way too. But there's enough talent on here, at least the first eight guys or so, I think, to really at least make a run and be a competent basketball team, which is probably a good step for the team right now in terms of growth and development. Yeah, and keeping this core together, you know, we've locked up Stephen Adams for a couple of extra years when we signed him. Eric Bledsoe, I think, has got a couple of years left on his deal as well having that ability to grow together, I suppose, and then right when they're hitting free agency and at the end of their deals, these guys hopefully are moving into, the other guys, the remaining guys, are starting to move into these seasoned NBA NBA uh, veteran sort of um, situation where they've played a few games, they're ready to run their own side now, perhaps you find more complimentary pieces rather than having these these guys that are probably big veteran presence, big defensive leaders, and maybe those... uh, I suppose, defensive mindsets have been uh, instilled going forward. I mean, at, at the moment, we're sort of resetting again. Like you said, Derek Favors had a um, an up-and-down year. I know there was a fair bit off-field as well that happened with him and, and his injuries, and it's a tough year to come to a new side and then uh, then deal with all of that. So um, for him, obviously, it probably wasn't a year that he would like to remember as well as um, as, as it probably could have been. Uh, but, but Stephen Adams, love your comments about the boxing out. I've been watching film on him. Um, I mean, you see him. He's, he's like one of the top guys in the league with it. If you really get into numbers, the NBA tracks that stuff. He boxes out as much, if not more, than maybe like Rudy Gobert, and that's about it. Like, that's the extent of it. It's like him and Rudy Gobert being the top two or three guys. That's a really useful player to have. Like, his... You look at some of his numbers, and they're not great rebounding-wise in his career, but you've got to remember he was purposely clearing one or two guys out for rebounds to go to Russell Westbrook. Like that was their game plan. Westbrook flies in, grabs the board and then goes in transition. Yeah. Add that guy into a team that wants to run. That's great. Yeah. So there's a highlight of him actually boxing out Gobert, I think, and Westbrook grabs it. And then he just belts up the court, beats Rudy and, and dunks it in. I'm sitting there going, this bloke wants to go, he wants to get up the court. And um, you know, if we can get, uh, even shades of what he was like in OKC. I think we'll uh, we'll be doing okay, especially with the running uh, mentality. It seems Stan wants to uh, bring in a bit of a lot of transition, um, but then I guess that defensive mindset in the first uh, in the first instance. I like this quote about uh, this time we need to have guys that either you're either offensive rebounding or you're getting back. You're running. I mean, last year we saw so many times where they're all standing there going. Oh, who's getting that rebound? Oh, oh, it's an offensive rebound and it's laid in. And I think if we can get that simple mentality of we're grabbing this rebound, either on the offensive end or on the defensive end, if we're not, where do we need to be? Are we setting up defense? It's it's so important. Like the second the shot goes up, either, you know, at least on your own team, let's say, you know, Lonzo shoots a three, either everyone else, the other four guys, you either crash the boards or you get back. There's no in-between there. And you saw a lot of standing around, like not really sure of what to do. That's one of the reasons why the Pelicans got burned in transition defense a lot. They really struggled to get back off of missed teams are able to run. And there was just a lack of like basic principles, right? Like just kind of the base things that you've got to do. Like this isn't hard. 
even if you don't really watch basketball a lot or don't understand it, I can kind of say, okay, the guy on your team shoots, what do you do? You either go get the ball if he misses or you get back so you defend. It's pretty basic. And they struggled with a lot of that stuff last year. It's same on the defensive side of it too. Don't wait to watch a shot. Don't shot watch whatsoever. I understand the shooters doing it. The guy who shot it kind of likes to see if it goes in. That makes sense. Everyone else, though, and the Pelicans struggled with that mightily, and that's where a coach who, who's more of a hard-ass than Alvin Gentry is coming in and taking a different approach and not letting that be okay I think is really needed for a team like this. Yeah, I think sometimes you just need to be told, go and do this. You know, uh, they've, all, they've all played basketball for as long as they – they have, you know, the, the professional athletes, and you're sitting there going, the defense, haven't you learned the defense ends when you've secured the ball? Like, grab it, and then you can go and do your offense. But at times, it, it was a lot of ball watching. It was like it was someone else's job, and everyone's going, oh, that guy will get it, or that guy will get it, and no one taking accountability. So I really hope that Stan, uh, he, he gets them out of that. And I mean, it sounds like from the grueling uh, three-hour practices and the, the double practices that he's been putting them through so far, um, yeah, he's going, to be, he's going to be doing that and instilling a bit of uh, toughness in him. Yeah, so I mean, and, and other things that we're going to be uh, going to need to focus on is moving the ball, not letting it stick. I mean, running off screens. I mean, Stephen Adams, I could talk about him all day, honestly. I mean, and to my Kiwi friends, well, you know, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. The guys across the ditch. Um, no, absolutely with you with this guy. He is a big unit. And if it gives JJ Redick and Brandon Ingram a bit of space to hit some open shots, well, yeah, he's all right by me. Look, it, it fits in. He's a funny guy. Like, I kind of dig it. Like, it's it's just a good move. I kind of like that the, the Pelicans extended him so that there's some continuity there, too. I thought that was a pretty prudent move. And look, you know, there's other ways to create space. Like, that's, and I know people are worried about the three point shooting in. You ideally would like a court spacing big next to Zion, but man, if they're going to use Zion kind of almost as a playmaker point guard at times, which sounds like they will to some degree, creating space for him off of a screen like that. Like, I, I don't know. It's going to be funky basketball at times, but it should be pretty fun to watch. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, me too. And I mean, we saw Zion have a little bit of an outside shot himself in, in a couple of games, um, whether or not that becomes a consistent thing. It shows that he's got that, range on occasion and if that becomes a consistent thing well there's a bit of shooting there as well I mean of course we want him down in the block and we want him high flying near the rim but if you can step outside a little bit as well there's there's a little bit of space there oh yeah absolutely look that helps everyone else out there on the court too he's shown it off I'd rather have him work down low like I don't want him shooting a ton of threes yet it's very easy too for NBA players to fall in love with that like that what uh, wrecked Antoine Walker's career. He's the guy with the yeah. famous quote of like, why do you shoot so many threes? Because there are no fours. He was a big who was really good down low and then stopped being a good player because all he did was shoot threes at like a 32% rate and kept ripping them and was kind of maybe ahead of his time. But I, I worry about, you know, falling in love with that. But overall, look, he can make him. If you leave him out there and he takes the shot, I don't hate it. So there, there's a lot of ways the Pelicans can kind of mix things up next season. Yeah, and I think Stan uh, was chomping at the bit a bit to get into it and, and see uh, all these different uh, combinations that he can run. Um, I mean, I think having that year off for him or a couple of years off to do a bit of uh, the, anal the analysis and, and the commentary has really served him well in terms of he comes across like he's fresh, he's hungry, he's ready to go. And, you know, I'm excited. I think the young guys are as well on this team from all the quotes that they've been putting out to the media. Um, yeah, I think Stan's going to be really good. What do you think? 
Yeah, you know, I think this you you tend to go with a coach that's like the opposite of what you had before, and that's definitely kind of what you needed. You needed more of a hard ass in here, like a guy that was going to yell at these players versus just kind of try and be their friend and less of a player's coach and more of some a disciplinarian, which I think is important. Like, you know, you always tend to go with the opposite of what the coach was before when you fire someone. You see that in every sport, and I think they found the right guy in Stan Van Gundy to add that, you know, the fact that he said they had a three hour practice their first day, that they did two a days, that they're playing scrimmages and really getting into it. That is like not what this team has done the past couple of years. And it sounds like the players are like starting to buy into it. They're excited about some of the stuff and the, the work that they're doing, going through all of those drills and everything, you know, the pro NBA players, you don't want to necessarily make them run drills like you would a high school team. Um, and that could turn some players off. I've talked to NBA players who hate that kind of stuff. There's a reason People don't really want to play for like Coach Thibs in New York or other places. You just don't want those grueling three, four-hour practices. Um, look what happened to Jim Boylan in Chicago with all of that stuff. We got run out of there almost on a team mutiny. But if you can find the right balance of that, and if you can get the players to buy in, and I'd like that the players are buying into this because it means they are very aware of where they weren't good and where they struggled last year. That's great. That's perfect. And already you're kind of seeing the dividends and Sam Van Gundy is paying here with the team. Yeah, well, that teachery sort of mindset that we get in a, in a few of the coaches, like the Jim Boylans, and um, I forget his name now, but it was at the Cavaliers as well, and they came in and were trying to yep. teach him the fundamentals, and then all of a sudden the players turn around and go, well, we've done this. Like, we're professional athletes. We know how to, like, pass the ball, and we know how to post up, and we know how to exactly. run suicides up and down the court. You know, that's um, that's stuff that we've done. Um, let's, uh, let's actually win some basketball games. And there's that... Um, Famous picture of um, Zach Levine turning around at Jim Boylan and pointing at the scoreboard when he, I think he dropped 40 or something and Jim Boylan's still yelling at him and he's shaking his head and you're going, you're going to lose players like that, you know? And that's one of your yeah. best players on that team. You, you, you can't baby them beyond, you still need to treat them like professional athletes. And I think Stan's, uh, he's taught some good players, um, you know, and he's developed some good players and hopefully he can do the same here. I mean, Having a look at all the photos, Brandon Ingram, all these guys are, are, are smiling and laughing and, you know, I don't know, pictures, pictures are pictures, but, uh, you know, it, it looks positive in the beginning that these guys are buying into this mindset and hopefully we can, we can defend. That'd be nice. Instead yeah, of having I mean, to that's the big thing, right? That's, uh, that's kind of the big thing. That's going to make the difference for the team. It's if they defend again, he, they're, they're still going to run. They're still going to play in transition. And Stan Van Gundy said, you know, you can't really run and play in transition if you're inbounding the ball from underneath your own net after your opponent makes a shot. You've got to get stops. Bucklands even tried to do that last year and it didn't work out well. They weren't they, – they played in transition more almost as much as any other team in the league. They were top five. They were not efficient at it, and their offense looks better because they played so much in transition, and that's where the most efficient opportunities are, even if you're not actually good in transition, which the Pelicans weren't. It's not a great mix of things, right? Like, that's a terrible situation to be in. But you can get better at transition. Those opportunities can be more efficient if you're getting stops. So their offense is really going to come from their defense. And if they can improve even slightly on that side of the ball, it's going to make a world of difference. And we talked about it. It's sometimes it's simple things. Getting back, defending in transition and running back after a make and all of that stuff. And so I think they can make 
pretty big strides on that and getting those players to buy in. That's everyone knows how to defend. They all have the tools to be a good defender. It's just, do you care enough on that side of the ball? Do you want to put forth the energy on that kind of the ball? And that's where a coach that's going to bring that out of you. And a guy like Stan Van Gundy is probably really important. So them improving on the defensive side of the ball is the most important thing that they can try and do this year. Yeah, well, fingers crossed they buy in and they, and they, and they do it. That'd be really good. You know, I don't need to see another 150-point game and it hasn't even gone to overtime or anything like that. I, I think um, if, we could, if we could get a game where we score 95 and the other team scores 93, I'm okay with that. That's all right yeah. <laughs> because we win. And, you know, it's we've got that it's defense. It's a win. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, 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 we don't need to try to outscore people. We just need to – well, I mean, we do, but we don't need to score 150 points to win a basketball game. You'd, and hopefully that uh, – it translates and stand out. Uh, I'm fine if they want to still score 150 well. points too. Like totally cool with me if you guys want to do that. But you want to be in positions where you don't have to do that. And that is the only way that you're going to win. Yeah, exactly. Because you know what variance kicks in? You have off shooting nights sometimes. And like that, you know, you don't want that to be the only reason that you lost that game. Yeah. You turn into a shootout every night or a, or a running race. And, and sometimes you're just not going to win them. So hopefully right. those uh, defensive principles come in and, and, uh, and we, we settle in. Um, like you said before the, about the play-in tournament, so top, uh, what is it, top 10 get to go into that. I suppose the 8 through to 10 are, are playing for that last playoff spot. The West is stacked. We're like I mean, there's, there's teams that were probably ranked below us last year and then that have probably maybe added just as many good pieces to bring it bring them up to level with us. The Phoenix Suns added Chris Paul and we saw what he did with the Thunder last year. Maybe the Thunder dropped down because they lost him. I think they probably do. But um, where do you think is a realistic? I know we sort of said in that play-in zone, do you think probably nine or 10 is, is where we're at? Or do you think we could sneak into the playoffs? No, I mean, I think it's nine or 10. Like when you really look at it, you know, the Lakers, the Clippers, Denver, Houston, Utah, Dallas, Portland, Memphis, that's, that's seven teams right there. Throw in Phoenix – or sorry, no, that's eight teams right there. You know, of the playoff teams last year, the only one that's probably out is Oklahoma City. And Phoenix, who was the 10th seed, improved. The Spurs are still the Spurs, though I'm not really bullish on their chances going into next year. Sacramento's still young and improving and have De'Aaron Fox, and that'll get you pretty far. Minnesota's going to rebound because they're going to be healthier next year with De'Aaron Fox and Carl Anthony Towns. And there's the Golden State Warriors, who, bit of a big unknown, but look, it's still, it's still Steph Curry and Draymond Green, and that'll get you pretty far. So when you look at this, you know, name the teams that are, object, like, on paper, absolutely worse than New Orleans. Like, 100% you can say New Orleans is, is better than them. O- OKC and maybe the Spurs. Other teams are maybe on the same level, and I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable saying that one team is better than the other, though I think they probably have a better roster than, say, a team like the Kings. You know, but all of those teams are kind of all bunched up other than two. That is brutal right now. And, you know, Portland got massively better, I thought, this offseason. Dallas is going to take a big step forward. Um, Houston, you know, as long as they have hardened there, they're going to be in, in playoff contention, not championship contention. So when you kind of factor that in, you know, if you, if you set the expectations of playoffs or bust, you're going to be disappointed. This is one of those things where it's like, just, just improve. That's kind of what I'm hoping for from this team. Please be better than last year because, uh, you know, the schedule, you've got to play the teams in the West. They're all really good. 
you know, there's a lot that's out of your control when it comes to making the playoffs this year, I think. Like, I don't think the Pelicans really feel like they control their own destiny on all of this. And since you don't, focus on what you can control, which is just getting better, playing meaningful games, and being a tough out for other teams to play. And I'll be pretty happy with that. But I think there's enough talent where you can make the case that, yeah, maybe 9, 10, if things go their way, if they're healthy and other teams aren't, and health is always the greatest equalizer in all of this. Yeah, they're, they're probably in there as the 9 or 10th spot. And at that point, all it is, you've got to win two games. That's it. And you can get in. Every team's probably capable of winning two games in a row, particularly a team with Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and some of the other people they're going to have. Yeah, it's a pretty good side, isn't it? I mean... I'm excited to say, like you said, though, the West is absolutely stacked. Um, and anyone in that conference, I think, can win on any given night. I think people have forgotten about the Warriors a little bit, which is it's crazy to say, considering it's really only been what, one year that they sort of had a bit of a rest and uh, with all the injuries. But um, yeah, if we're in the East, I mean, we'd be laughing. But um, unfortunately... Oh, be no problem. Like, easy. Because <laughs> um, we're still waiting to see where the good sides are. Over there, but um, Jake, just before we, we, we wrap it up, what is, I suppose, your hope or your, um, what's your baseline for a pass this year, I suppose, for the Pelicans? If, if all else, say we don't make play, we don't win a championship, unfortunately, um, what would be like the pass mark for this year? That's it's a good question, kind of phrasing it like that. I like that one. You know, I, I think it's just, one, be better than last year. Like, you've got to do that, obviously. I think you're looking for, say, Zion to kind of put to rest a lot of the narrative issues around him of being out of shape, not being healthy. If you can kind of put those to bed, he comes in, he looks good, he stays good all year. You're not worried about his conditioning, things like that. I'm going to be really pleased with this team. And if you see him mainly improve on the defensive side of the ball too, like just be competent on that side of the ball. I'm not looking for a top 10 defense, a top five defense, but a team that just does that hustle stuff well. Gets back, gets set, tries hard on that end. Even if you don't put it all together and you're still not a good defense, you can tell when a team is trying hard. And that to me is kind of important because, you know, uh, it's a bunch of new players running a new system. As you said, I expect there to be some ramp up period where they will struggle with all of that, but be better at the end of the year than you were and show that kind of the principles are there. And then at least offensively cut down on some of these unforced errors. It's brutal to see these throwaway passes that are live ball turnovers that lead to transition opportunities for the opponent because at that point, getting back isn't going to do you any good because of where the ball got thrown away. Um, we're worried about that more after like a shot attempt and a miss. But stop those live ball turnovers. Cut some of that down because it gets a bit of a zero-sum game where you get no points, you give two points on the other end to the opponent, and that can be a big swing over the course of a game. Just kind of improve on those things. I'm less worried about wins and losses in this. It's going to be a weird season anyway. So be, be competent, and I'll be happy because we expect there to be a natural progression with this team. If they get a little bit better every single year, you got to get the kind of that base layer first, that good foundation. That's this year for them. They're trying to set that this year. If they get that, I'm going to feel really good about their chances to be a legitimate playoff contender and then hopefully championship contender in the future. Yeah, well, I think I'm with you on all of that. Get the fundamentals right. Reduce turnovers. Get rebounds. And set your defense. It'd be really, really good. Uh, Jake, I'd love to thank you for coming on again. At Nola Jake on Twitter, if I'm not correct. Locked on Pelicans are the guys that you that you need to go and listen to. Go and listen to Jake, guys, every day. He's on. He gets me through my work day. I was telling him off air. <laughs> He's nearly at 900 episodes. 
Jake, thank you very much for, for uh, spending your afternoon with us. Uh, it's been great. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. I appreciate it. I always love good basketball talk. Yeah, no, me too. And uh, your insights have been, uh, been awesome. So I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Guys, so how good was that? Thanks again to Jake for jumping on, uh, spending his afternoon with us. As always, I'm at Lyle Swithenbank. At Hoopball Pills is the show. We're going to be coming hard and fast. We're going to be getting shows out. We're going to get guests on. Lots of guests coming up. I'm locked in for this season. Uh, a bit of a play on words for the Locked On Pelicans. Make sure you go and follow at Nola Jake uh, on Twitter at the Locked On Pelicans. Um, and make sure you go and subscribe to his show as well. It's fantastic. Every day he uh, he puts a podcast out. So um, he knows what he's talking about. I'll leave you with that. Bye for now. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.